So I know a lot of you out there listening have younger kids as well as teenagers in the house, and I'm excited to share with you about a new show that you and your younger kids are going to love. It's called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared towards kids ages six and up and can be enjoyed by the whole family. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for a car ride, mealtime, break times, or bedtime. Each is stacked with so much laughter that your kids won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 56. Hey, podcast listeners, welcome back to the show. And thank you so much for your patience and your forgiveness. I was not on with a new show last week, and that is because... I have been working my butt off on some other projects and podcast just kind of fell to the wayside for the week. But I'm hoping that by promoting a bunch of the other shows that have come before that you were able to stay um, on track and interested and, and hopefully you saw something that you hadn't listened to before and Yay for that. So welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, If you are a new listener, hello. Welcome. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your host, your hostess. I am the voice behind Joyful Courage. And uh, yeah, I'm really, really excited about the show today. The topic came straight out of our community. And the guest is a friend of mine, Beth Caldwell. Uh, She is a blogger, writer, former civil rights activist, and uh, is living with cancer. And she is going to share in a very candid and real way her experience with uh, living with cancer and raising her kids and how to stay in relationship with our partners and, and how to support the people in our life who are living with pretty severe illnesses. So I'm really excited for you to listen in. And to get to know Beth, she's totally amazing, which you will quickly come to realize as you listen to our conversation. Please listen all the way till the end. I'm so excited to um, give a little bit of information about the program that I have starting on Wednesday of this week. So podcasts will go out Tuesday, Wednesday. I have a, a brand spanking new free program for parents. So listen till the end. And you'll find out more information about that. But for now, just sit back and enjoy this really frank conversation with my friend Beth. Today's guest is Beth Caldwell, a mom and former civil rights lawyer who lives in Seattle. She's got two kids, a little boy who was born three months premature in 2007. 
And a girl, a daughter, who was born four days late in 2011. <laughs> in 2014, she found a lump in her breast, and it turned out to be mystastic breast cancer. And so Beth left her job as a lawyer so she could focus on convincing her kids that there are foods that aren't pizza. She blogs about any crazy idea that pops into her head and loves hanging out in the, well, I won't say loves, sorry, but also <laughs> hangs out <laughs> in the oncologist's office. Beth, I'm so glad that you're on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Please tell the listeners a little bit about your story. Sure. So um, like you said, I, I was um, doing a routine breast self-exam in the shower in 2014. I was 37 years old and I found a lump. And um, I freaked out, as one does, um, and uh, just thought, oh, I'm just going to go off to work and went to work and, of course, couldn't concentrate all day. Um, got in the car um, to commute home with my husband. We carpooled together. And I was like, honey, there's something I need you to feel. Um, I found a lump today. And so he felt it. And he was like, yep, that's a lump. And um, we got this. We got this. And I was like, you know, I melted down and um, you know, went to see my doctor two days later and she was like, yep, that's a lump. I'm sending you for your mammogram and an ultrasound, um, went in for the mammogram and the ultrasound and, um, the radiologist came in and said, it looks extremely suspicious for cancer. Can you stay and do a biopsy right now? And I was like, okay. Um, so I did, you know, my biopsy then and, um, then I, um, she walked me across the hall as soon as the biopsy was done to the surgeon's office to make an appointment for the day when the results were coming in. So I knew, I knew that it wasn't good. Um, and it was about two weeks later after a, quite a bit more screening that we found out that it wasn't just in my breast. It was also, um, it had spread to bones. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you know, went through, um, you know, all the emotions that come with being told that your cancer is not curable and that, um, you know, median survival is going to be about three months or three years and, um, you know, how to tell the kids and all that kind of stuff. So, so that's kind of my cancer story. Yeah. And tell us what the name of your blog is. Sure. It's the cult of perfect motherhood, which is kind of a tongue in cheek, um, thing about how, um, we all try to be these perfect moms and, um, and we're not obviously cause nobody's perfect, but it's sort of this cult. And, uh, so the tagline for my blog is deprogramming women since 2013. Mm -hmm. So you started the blog before you got your diagnosis. I did. Yeah. It was about a year before I got my diagnosis that I started the blog about nine months, I guess. And you're really active on, I mean, you write a lot and you've been yeah. in a couple different yeah. collections, books and, and different right. kinds of things. What have you found? Because I know you chronicle your experience with mm -hmm. this this cancer journey. Yeah. What have you found? What have you noticed about um, about both the process of writing it being you know really public in your writing, mm -hmm. but and the response that you get from your readers? Sure. So um, I'm I'm a compulsive oversharer. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hello. Right. I'm in that club. Yeah, I think that a lot of us on the internet are, and so. Um, it would have felt, I think, to me, um, disingenuous if I had hid it from my readers. Mm -hmm. I would have felt um, like I was, I don't know, like something was was not cool about that, mm -hmm. um, given that I'd been so open about everything before. And so um, it just seemed like the right thing to do to share it. And to be honest, 99% of the time, people are very positive in their response. Mm -hmm. um, 
that they are, you know, when I tell my story that they, you know, have more questions, they want to learn more about cancer. Um, they want to hear more about what it's like, um, living with cancer and what they can do to support people who have it. Um, so I feel like that's, um, you know, it's, it's mostly been very positive once in a while I'll bump into somebody who, um, seems to think that I'm personally benefiting from, um, talking about cancer and sharing my story, um, which, you know, I don't, I don't make money off of my blog and I'm not, you know, uh, I, I think anybody who has cancer would gladly trade, um, yeah. having a terminal illness for getting Jeez. to play the cancer card once in a while. So, um, but that's pretty rare. Mostly, mostly people are really supportive and, um, and grateful. I get a lot of, um, thanks for sharing this. I have a friend who's going through treatment. I didn't know what it's like. Um, and so, you know, they're just grateful to know, to hear from an actual person who's go, who's been there, um, ways that they can be helpful. Yeah. That is so powerful because I, you know, we don't know yeah. always what to say or how much to say, or if you should say anything. And, yeah. and it's, it is, it's really nice to have somebody like just be so, as upfront as you are in your sharing, mm -hmm. I think is a, a huge benefit and gift to the world. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I recently asked my community, um, I ask regularly what they want to hear on the podcast. And one of my listeners wrote in that what would be helpful to her is having a conversation around dealing with death and illness in a family, whether it's grandparents or parents, how does this all fit when trauma loss um, trauma or loss are on the horizon for kids. So I figured I knew you already and I know your, you know, parts of your story and you're such a great resource. Um, and so thank you for being willing to come on and, and share it and really kind of help us, the rest of us know, you know, some, give us some options, right? Sure. Because I think what shows up again and again on the podcast is, sorry, there's no perfect answer to that mm -hmm. question. Yeah. However, here's a menu of directions to go yeah. in. So Absolutely. I guess before we start, I want to ask, where are you in your treatment today? Sure. So um, right now, my cancer is living in my brain, my right arm, uh, in the bone, and in my liver. Um, so I have recently been on a treatment called Zalota, which is an oral chemotherapy drug. So it's, you, you don't have to go into the hospital and have it injected in you. You just take a pill or in my, in, in this case, actually several pills. Um, mm -hmm. it was eight pills a day that I was on, um, came wow. with some pretty serious side effects, worked really well for a bit. For a while I had no evidence of disease, um, which is kind of the holy grail of a metastatic cancer diet you know, situation that we all want to have no evidence of disease. And it doesn't mean that the cancer is cured, but it means that it's so tiny you can't see it on scans, which is mm -hmm. great news. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 
35 different meal choices and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Um, And so I had a brief stretch of that. and then, you know, then it came back again in April. So, um, so I'm on a different treatment now, one that comes with less fatigue and less side effects, which is kind of nice. Um, and we're hopeful that that will do some good work, clearing out some more of the, the cancer that's growing back. So okay. the way that metastatic um, cancer treatments work is they, you know, put you on a drug until it stops working and then they switch you to another drug until it stops working and et cetera, until you run out of drugs and then you die. So, um, you know, we're, we're starting to see some more, um, breakthroughs in different kinds of drugs, which is really exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, it gives patients more options. Um, some of them have more durable responses than, than what we've seen in the past. Um, and so that's really exciting. Um, but it's still, you know, metastatic cancer accounts for 90% of cancer deaths across, you know, the organ that it started in. So metastasis is something that, um, you know, we're, we're in treatment for the rest of our lives. Um, whether it's, you know, IV chemo and your hair falling out, which I've been through twice already. Um, or whether it's taking pills every day to try to keep the cancer from gaining a foothold. Um, we're in treatment for the rest of our lives. Mm. And what's been the most difficult part about being sick and being a mom of two kids? You know, fatigue. Um, yeah. Almost every cancer treatment comes with fatigue to some extent. Um, when I was on Zolota, it was pretty. It was pretty intense. And IV chemo, it's pretty intense. Um, when I was on Zolota, I'd say I'd have one okay-ish day followed by three days in bed. 
Mm. Um, and it's, you know, when your kids are nine and four, it's hard to, you know, for they, they, first of all, they're worried because they see that I am, am sick. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're worried because, um, they're worried how they're going to be able to interact with mom. Um, they're worried about what the future might hold. And, um, and they're frustrated. They're frustrated that mom can't go out and do fun stuff with them. And frankly, I'm frustrated too, when I feel that way. Um, and you know, when you're tired, you're also more emotional, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's a lot harder to, um, uh, manage your, your feelings and put on that brave face for the kids, um, when you are feeling like crap. So, um, you know, when you're just too tired to be able to, to handle the reality of the, of what is a really difficult life. Um, so, um, so fatigue definitely is the worst. It, it limits, you know, I, I, I'm lucky I have a husband who is a complete mensch. He just like picks up the family and carries them when I'm down. Um, and so, but you know, it's hard on him as well. Um, and, and it's hard for me knowing that I, you know, I don't feel like I'm contributing to the relationship, contributing to the family as much as I want to. Um, and as much as I used to before I got sick. So, um, so that's definitely the hardest part of it. Yeah. Do you, what kind of language do you use, you know, when you are in conversation with your kids about, you know, mom doesn't feel well, Yeah. how are you, what are, and, and I, and specifically yeah. because I know that there's people listening who, you know, either are on this same, a similar kind of journey or mm -hmm. are living with a spouse who is ill, um, how are you, what's the conversations like that you're having with your kids? Yeah. So we, um, I, you know, I try to use age appropriate language as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, the best advice I heard from a, a psychologist after, after my diagnosis, um, was you want to tell your kids the truth and you want to tell them nothing but the truth, but you don't have to tell them the whole truth. So there are parts of the story that you, you don't have to share with the, with the kids for them to still, um, you know, for you still to be honest with them and for you still to be, um, you know, straight with them about, um, and for them to feel like they can trust you about, about your illness. Um, so for example, we talk about, um, there's a, there's a great book, um, called the cancer that doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. Um, that's about a, a mom who has metastatic breast cancer. Um, and so, and, and so we read that book and we, we, you know, my, my youngest will say, Hey, yeah, that's just like you, you know, you get mm -hmm. tired like that too. And I'll say, yep, yeah, it's from the medicine that I take. Um, that's making me so tired. It's not re really the cancer that's doing it. It's the medicine. Um, and so, you know, she'll, she'll be like stupid Zalota or you know, <laughs> <laughs> dumb Zalota, right? Oh, God, good gracious Zalota. So um, so she's, she's, uh, you know, at four, she, she knows that mom's cancer will be there forever, that mom will always have cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, but she doesn't understand prognosis. Um, that's just something that she, you know, she's four. And right. to, if, if we say to her, mom is going to die of cancer, she thinks mom is going to die of cancer tomorrow, which right. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I have lots of treatments left before, before we have to face that. So um, with my son, he's a bit older and he was almost eight, I think, or had just turned eight when, when, um, he learned that, um, that I was going to die of my cancer someday. Um, and his reaction to it was, boy, that was a hard day. His reaction to it was, you know, he, he told me, 
that um, he's going to miss me when I die. And I was like, oh, honey. And I just hugged him um, and then walked out of the room and had a complete meltdown. Um, but the, the next day he was in the car on the way to school and he asked my, my husband, he said, are, you know, how long do we have with mom? Mm. And he said, we don't know. And he said, but it's not going to be anytime soon. And when it is soon, we'll tell you. Mm. And that was comforting to, to my son. He was, you know, he was relieved by that. And, um, I think, you know, making it clear that you're not going to hide things from them. I mean, kids see what's happening, right? Like they, they see that mom's tired. They see the mom's hair fell out. They see right. that, you know, mom's toenails are falling off. They, they see this stuff. Right. And so, um, they, you know, you hiding it from them doesn't really, you, it, you know, if you live in a house with somebody, you're going to have to let them know what's going on with your health and whether that person is an adult or a child. Um, so we just try to use age appropriate language. We, we share with them what's important for them to know and what's not important for them to know. Um, we, we don't burden them with it. So, yeah. So what, it's, I, and I read your post, um, yeah. the cat is out of the bag, Yeah, which kind of chronicles your son's, it's almost like an unfolding, uh-huh. right. Of just yes. putting things together and landing on, Oh, wait. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have a link to that in the show notes listeners so you can um, check that out. So when you talk about what's a, like, yes, age and development, mm-hmm. um, where are good, if you're going to, if you were going to help a friend or, or mm-hmm. somebody else, like what is it, how, you know, it's it's easy to say, well, be developmentally appropriate. It's, right. The other, next question is, well, what, what is that around death and, and illness and dying? Yeah. Like what is age appropriate? Yeah. I mean, I think that um, if we talk to our kids about illness as openly as possible, um, you know, using words that they can understand, saying things like mom has cancer, do you know what that is? Mm -hmm. Um, Explaining it to them. And then um, and sort of talking about what what how that's going to impact their day to day life. Um, you know, who are these people that mom goes to see at the doctor's office? Can they meet them? You know, mm-hmm. I take my kids down to doctor's appointments. They, you know, we, I, I'm buddies with my oncologist. Like we, we hang out and have dinner and go drinking. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so they, they know Dr. Eddie, right? Like he's a figure in their life. And so when mom is going to see Dr. Eddie, it's less scary, right? Yeah. So, um, and you know, and they've been down there, they know the nurses, they, you know, get to come and see mom get her her blood drawn or not uh, and my son is completely freaked out by it my daughter thinks it's cool yeah. so um you know I think I think um just sort of um I think most parents know their kid and they they know kind of you know where their kid is at but I would also say that I've been surprised at how um well in particular my oldest has handled um living with a parent with um with metastatic cancer um, he actually just gave a speech at, uh, at school. They had a, they had a day where each kid had written a, a speech, a persuasive speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and they each read it to the class and the parents came and most of the kids speeches were about why you should buy a dog or how McDonald's isn't really very good for you. And my son's speech was about why we need metastatic cancer research. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's, tuned in. He hears me talking about the advocacy work I do around trying to get better research. Um, he, um, meets my friends who also have cancer and meets their kids. 
and, you know, wants, wants to help, you know, Mm -hmm. wants to be, um, part of the solution to keeping mom alive. Um, and, and I think, you know, that sounds like a heavy burden for, for a nine-year-old, but I would actually argue that, um, giving him something he does, he can do that makes him feel like he is helping, Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes him feel like he has some control over the situation is really useful. Yeah. Um, and I, is really powerful. So, um, so I just, I really am an advocate for being as honest as you can with your kids and as open as you can with your kids about, um, you know, what treatment looks like, you know, what's mom's hair is going to fall out. Mom might be throwing up, mm-hmm. um, you know, mommy's skin is all peely. Isn't that gross? Ha ha. Let's, you know. Um, be, let's be, let's be real about what's happening and why it's happening. You know, that it's not, it's not the cancer that made my hair fall out. It's the, the drugs that I was on that made my Mm -hmm. hair fall out, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. I, I appreciate the, the, I mean, I, I imagine that because it's, you know, you've really invited your kids into the experience Mm -hmm. somewhat with the. Mm knowing of the doctors and going into the space where that you're going into for appointments and treatments. I think that on some level, it takes away that room that we often leave for kids to fill in the gaps. Yes. Because they can get kind of crazy when they fill in the gaps. Exactly. And I'm really hearing you talk about, you know, showing them like mm-hmm. helping them come to a place of peace because they don't have a bunch of guesswork to do exactly I think you know we I always make it clear to them that I'm happy to answer any questions they have about anything you know like we talk about sex and we talk about yeah. you know like things that are happening on the news and and cancer is just one of those things that we talk about in our family that we're we're a family that's open and is a space where the kids know it's safe to ask us questions um, so if we if we didn't do that with illness or with death, I think that would be, you know, it, it just wouldn't feel right for right. our family. It's just not um, I think the kids would be really frightened. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I think if we're if we're straight with with kids, um, you know, they're smarter than we often give them credit for. So, yeah. And I often will say, too, you know, you need to whether it's the sex talk or the drugs talk or the, mm-hmm. you know, mom's real sick talk. Yeah. They need to know that you can handle whatever they need to bring you or the yeah. questions. And, and when yeah. we can be really frank and open, mm-hmm. then that kind of creates that space for them to say, hey, I've got something to tell you or I've got questions and or I'm unsure or I'm afraid or mm-hmm. whatever that may be. Right. What are some so, you know, so you're kind of living in the unknown. Yeah. Right. So what are some ways that you um, and your husband work together to just kind of, I don't know, carry on, move forward, even despite the unknown? Yeah. I mean, part of it is when when you have um, cancer, you live from scan to scan. Um, Mm -hmm. So they're every three months um, is when I'll have scans. And, you know, if something looks bad on a scan, it probably means a change in treatment. That said, um, we make plans long in advance. Um, when I first got diagnosed metastatic, um, about a week later, I booked us a vacation that was going to happen 18 months in the future.
Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Um, and I, I, we had some friends that were going on this cruise and they wanted us to come along and I was like, yeah, well, we're booking it. Um, you know, we booked it in a way that was refundable, Mm -hmm. you know, should something come up, but, um, but we, we booked it and we, we try to make plans a bit in the future, Mm -hmm. um, knowing that they might not happen. So we don't, you know, it's not something where we're, um, you know, everybody's heart will be broken if it doesn't work out. But, um, but so far, um, you know, treatment wise, we've been able to, you know, make everything work around, um, around treatment. Um, we're actually planning a huge family vacation to Scotland this summer, um, with the kids. <gasps> do you I'm... listen, do you know about Outlander? Yes. Oh my oh. gosh. Yes. I've been reading those books for a long time now. So I've read every single one in the series. I love the TV show. Oh my God. Jamie so, Frazier. Ugh, right. Seriously, episode seven, season one. Oh, <laughs> I, I joke that every man in America got laid after that episode. <laughs> okay, we're straight. So, um, but yeah, so I, I, you know, we're, we're making this big trip and we're going to um, be actually staying near Inverness. So, oh, cool. um, you know, up in the highlands and um should be really fun and you know we we planned it in a way that if we'd had to cancel it we could have but we also made clear to um to my treatment team that this was something that was important for our family to have some Mm -hmm. time to really just travel and enjoy each other 
Um, and so they're making it work. So, um, you know, I think we, a lot of it is also sort of being mindful, being in the moment, um, living today and trying not to, not to live in the trauma that, that has been happening and Mm -hmm. not to, to live in fear of what's going to come someday. Mm -hmm. Um, but just sort of be where we are today, um, and enjoy, um, what we have going on today. Um, and I, I think that helps in any, you know, situation you're in, whether it's, you know, I, I think we all do better when we're mindful and we're in the moment instead of, um, you know, worrying about work or, you know, mulling over the, you know, coworker who was a jerk to you today or, or whatever. Um, I think it's, um, I think it's better if we can just sort of be in the moment and where we're at, um, always. So, um, but especially when you have something serious, like, like an uncertainty, like a cancer diagnosis. Right. So we've been talking about the kids and supporting the kids. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear you speak into um, partners, right? Sure. Because as much as yeah. we want them to read our minds, yeah. they do not know how. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important. This And this is partly why I'm such an overshare. Um, I think it's important to just be straight with people about where you're at um, what's going on with your body, what's going on with your mind, um, so that they know, okay, it's time to reach out and help Mm -hmm. or nope, they're okay right now. And, and they, you know, they're, they're getting along. Okay. And and that's all right. Um, I will say things like this can be extremely stressful in marriages. Um, Mm -hmm. for my husband and I, I feel like it's brought us closer together. Um, but I have friends who are going through divorces because of cancer. Um, we, you know, we've all seen that happen, um, to celebrities, um, where, you know, John Edwards had an affair and, you know, his wife has terminal cancer. Um, Newt Gingrich served his cancer stricken wife with divorce proceedings while she was in the hospital. So, Mm. um, you know, we see these things happen a lot and, um, you know, I've actually had conversations with my oncologist about this and he's like, yeah, it happens way more often than, than we want to talk about. So it can be, you know, a major illness is a huge, huge stress. And if there are fissures in your relationship, um, that stress is going to just broaden them much wider. And, um, and so I think it's important that, you know, that you recognize that this is, this illness is happening to you. It's also, um, happening to your spouse. You know, Mm -hmm. he, he doesn't have cancer, but my husband is obviously heavily impacted by having a wife that he's going to have to face her death. Um, and, and he knows that, and it's, that's, I think, hard to live with. So, um, you know, I would just say, I think it's, um, important to, um, to just keep in mind, if you know a couple that's going through this, that, uh, supporting that spouse yeah. is also really, really vital. Um, you know, giving them a break because they're giving their spouse a break while, while the spouse is sick. Um, so, so, you know, the non-sick spouse needs a break too. Um, you know, a, a good example is this past weekend, um, I was off doing um, Democratic State Party stuff, and so my husband was stuck with the kids, and so one of his coworkers took them to go see uh, Finding Dory, so that they could, um, so that my, you know, my husband could have a break, and yeah. um, and that's that's important. I think it's it's really easy, especially maybe well, I don't know if it's especially for guys, but um, it, my guy it seems to think that he should be able to do everything and that he's shouldn't need help. 
Mm-hmm. And I keep telling him that's ridiculous. That yeah. um, obviously we need help, and obviously he can't do everything, and um, and he deserves breaks and he deserves support. Um, so, um, but I think there's this sort of like I'm a good dude, I can handle it. You know, I I'm, I don't need to ask for help. Um, and sometimes we we kind of have to force that help upon him. Yeah. Um, so I, I you know because he he wants to be the tough guy. And, um, and I think, you know, when you are a spouse and you don't have control over, um, a situation, it can be really, really upsetting, um, and really difficult to sort of live in that, you know, we had that same experience when our son was born early and, and he spent nine weeks in the NICU before he got to come home and, you know, he's perfectly healthy now, but at the time it was pretty scary. Um, and there was very little that we could do to parent him while he was in the NICU. You know, he's in an incubator. We were allowed to hold him once a day for 20 minutes, only one of us. So we had to take turns who gets to hold our baby today. Um, yeah, it's pretty awful. And you're in this place where you don't, there's nothing you can much, you can do. You know, I could produce breast milk. Um, that was about it. And, you know, my husband could do nothing. Um, and he, that was really hard for him to just have no control over the situation whatsoever and to feel that helpless. Um, and so, um, you know, that's, that, that I think is a hard thing for spouses, um, when you're dealing with a a serious illness in the family. Beth, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. And sharing your story and being so honest and candid about all of it and And open appreciate that so I do have one last question that I've been asking my podcast guests absolutely and I would love to hear your angle on it you know the name of my business is joyful courage yes I wonder what does joyful courage mean to you you know I think it's when courage is not an absence of fear it's being afraid and doing it anyway Um, and I, I think of people like jumping out of an airplane, right? That's scary. That is seriously terrifying, right? (laughs) But you don't see them, you know, coming to the ground and you know, they usually have a big grin on their face afterwards. Right. Um, and that, that I think is what life is like, right? We're, we're all jumping out of that airplane. Um, and even though we're scared, we're doing it anyway, because we know that it's going to bring us joy. So, yeah. Oh, love it. Yeah. Remind the listeners where they can find you and follow your work. Sure. So um, my blog, again, is cultofperfectmotherhood.com. Um, and if you're interested, the cancer organization that I've founded that's dedicated to metastatic cancer is called Met Up. We're modeled on ACT Up. So we do direct action and lobbying to try to uh, improve research for metastatic cancer. And you can find us on the web at metup.org. Great. Um, I'm going to have links to all of that listeners, you know, in the show notes. And what about the books that you're in? You're in. Sure. So the book that I'm in is called, I still just want to pee alone. You can find it on Amazon. Um, and it's part of the series that began with, I just want to pee alone and includes, I just want to be alone, which is essays on, um, on, on spouses. So, uh, <laughs> there almost every essay in those books are, like you, you're gonna want to watch out for the the last P because um, they're they're that funny. Um, a few of them, like mine, are, are more sort of tearjerkers, but most of them are hilarious. Oh, so awesome. um, would highly recommend would highly recommend the whole series. Awesome, great, thank you so much. Thank you for taking time to be on the show. You're welcome.
again, a huge thanks to Beth Caldwell for coming and uh, sharing about her experience with living with cancer and, and being a mom. And I just so appreciate everything I learned from that conversation, and I hope that you appreciate it too. So here we are. It is August 23rd. And you've been, if you've been listening to the podcast this summer and following me on social media, then you're probably getting really either excited or annoyed by all of my promoting of the Joyful Courage 10 program. And uh, if, the, if you've been annoyed, sorry about that, but uh, I'm really excited and I wanted to make sure that as many people as possible uh, saw the program and, and are taking advantage of the offer. We have so many people signed up. I'm so excited. And it starts tomorrow. Joyful Courage 10 is a 10-day free program. And I'm going to use email. I'm going to use text messaging for those of you in the United States. I'm going to use a private Facebook group all to promote and support parents in really practicing that internal experience of showing up intentionally with your kids. What does that mean, intentionally? It means that you've done the work to decide, okay, you know what? Presence and non-judgment and compassion are missing when I get triggered, so I'm going to be intentional about that, meaning when things get tense, when I am in tension, I'm actually going to show up the way that I've declared. Right, So this is a 10-week program that is all about supporting you in that work of showing up intentionally. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for it to start because I am my best parent when I am leading parents. If you have yet to sign up, please go to www.joyfulcourage.com slash jc10, www joyfulcourage.com slash jc10 you'll get all hooked up that's where you go so hopefully that is something that's interesting to you or if you're thinking no not me but my neighbor or my sister or my sister-in-law or you know my my friend pass it on pass it on and if you found this podcast to be valuable pass the podcast on too I'm always looking to uh, promote my work and to make sure that it gets in front of as many people as possible. I am passionate about supporting parents. And uh, every single person that says, hey, I heard this great podcast or check out this Facebook group or, you know, check out this website, like anything you can do to pass it on would be greatly appreciated by me and uh, by your friends. So if you find value, share it. Share the wealth, my people. Um, also, if you haven't already joined us in the Live in Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group, come on over. Hit join. Go to the little search bar when you're on Facebook and type in Live and Love with Joyful Courage. That will get you there. All right? Um, huge love to all of you who are enjoying these last weeks of summer. And to those of you whose kids are just starting to go back to school. Oh, Wow, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm envious. I'm excited for the school bus to come back to the neighborhood because I am a work-from-home mom, and it's tricky when the kids are also at home. <laughs> so big love to each of you. Hopefully the sun is shining on you, and uh, I'll see you again next week. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly. 
your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.